The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here's your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. If you're new to our program, a very special welcome to you. And if you're new to the vegan lifestyle or just kind of nosing around and taking a look, we're so happy that you're taking a look here because we believe in living compassionately and vibrantly and making the whole world better. So thanks for joining us in that. After the break today... I'm going to be bringing on a very popular vlogger, Emily Barwick of Bite Size Vegan. And right now, I'm going to be introducing you to someone fabulous, someone who has done, gosh, to me, it's God's work, and that is making a documentary, a documentary that changes the world and he is sure doing that. My guest is Michal Siversky and his wonderful film. I bet you've seen it. It's on Netflix. It's all over. And it is called Food Choices, the movie. Welcome, Michal. Hello, Victoria. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it is certainly a pleasure to be speaking with you. You are a man of great energy because for your film, you have interviewed 28 world-renowned experts, everybody from T. Colin Campbell to John McDougall, Dr. Michael Greger, Rich Roll, one of my favorite people in the whole world, John Joseph from the Cro-Mags. And you put it all together in a film that is making people change the way they eat. What did you do? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been quite a journey. Uh, Initially, it was supposed to be a six-month project. Uh, Ended up being a three-year journey. Uh, I quickly realized after I started the project that it was something that required uh, a lot more time than I initially had planned for. And, um, you know, as you know, with documentaries, it's kind of a, uh, a living thing, you know, it, it, it evolves naturally with every interview, you find new things and you connect with new people. So it takes sort of uh, his own uh, direction. And that, that, that that's what happened with my film. So it's been a very interesting process. You know, I learned a lot uh, throughout the making of the film and uh, it's been a great experience. Well, tell us about you. So how did you get from from being someone with 15 years of experience in in film production, uh, someone who speaks a whole bunch of languages, and now your film is in way more languages than even you speak. How did you get from being an interesting fellow, you fly a plane, you're married, you're a dad, 
to making a movie about eating plants? <laughs> yeah, so I've been working in the in the TV industry for for 15 years. Uh, I, I make a living making TV commercials for for advertising agencies and political campaigns and things of that nature. But uh, for for a long time, I've been uh, looking for an interesting project to take on as, as a documentary because as much as I like uh, making TV commercials, they, they're often not uh, as fulfilling as something as a documentary because, I mean, you're doing something, uh, you know, a commercial, you're making someone look really good, sell a product, a service, but it's not always something that aligns with your, your beliefs and your values. So sometimes in some projects, and I mean, I have wonderful clients, but, you know, every now and then you, you run into projects where, you uh, you know you have a little bit of a moral dilemma sometimes you know because you have to make them look really good but it don't necessarily uh, align with your with your values and with uh, with documentary filmmaking you can really pick and choose uh, your topic especially if you're you know the director producer and 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 work on something that um, that can bring positive change to people in, in the world and uh, after I, I started. In my own life, uh, experiencing the benefits of a whole food plant-based diet, uh, I became really interested in the topic, as many people that, that start on this path do, and I started digging really deeper into, into the, the topic and reading books and watching documentaries and reading research, and I, I saw that there was an opportunity to, to make a film uh, about this because what I, what I um, noticed was that there were already great films about the topic of food choices and the environment or food choices and, uh, and human health or food choices and um, yeah, the ethics and, and you know, the, the animal rights uh, aspect. But there weren't that many films that talk about all of these issues together and that showed the, the, the whole aspect of, of food choices from a wider perspective and, and how everything is interconnected. So that was my goal uh, with this film, to show this whole topic from many different angles and, and, and tie it all together, showing how everything is interconnected, how what we put on our plate not only is important for our health, but also for our planet and for the lives of other living species. I think you've really hit on something, Mihao, because what we really have in the vegan lifestyle is this interconnectedness, because otherwise it's just a political stance, or it's just a diet, or it's just an ethical stance, and people who don't share those ethics won't want to share it. But when you look at the whole picture, we've really got it all, and I love it that that's what you're putting out into the world. So why are food choices of particular importance? Well, I mean, as, as, as you know, and, and as most, you know, plant-based uh, people, people that follow this lifestyle already know, I mean, it, it's of huge importance for, for human health. I mean, it, it's, it's, there's, there's a mount, there are mounting amounts of evidence that show that a plant-based diet is, is the most beneficial for our health. And at the same time, you know, we have so many issues with our environment that are directly or indirectly related to, to our food choices, you know, things like global warming and uh, uh, natural resources depletion, uh, water scarcity, world hunger, uh, the depletion of the Amazon forest, uh, uh, you know, our oceans and, and the destruction of, of the fish populations in, in our oceans. I mean, there's so many issues that are directly related uh, to our food choices, but for many people, it's really hard to to make that connection. How, how do you explain to someone that, you know that that burger that you have on your on your plate is responsible for uh, so many square feet of of Amazon forest that's being destroyed, or that it's contributing to to world hunger. I mean, it's really really hard to make that connection. You know, and that's that's a topic that mainstream media is really not interested in in, in in talking about. So it's up to you know I think people uh, that that live this lifestyle to to help spread the word and then you know to authors and, uh, and speakers like yourself and, and, and filmmakers and, and bloggers. We really need to get out there to try to get that information out there and, and in, a, in, a, in a way that's uh, easy to understand and, and uh, you know, so we can get, really get the message out there to as many people as possible. And uh, um, last but not least, I mean, there's the, the, the ethical aspect of our food choices, which is extremely important. And, and, 
you know, with the film, I really wanted to tackle different angles because what I realized is, was that, you know, for some people, the human health aspect is not as important. I mean, the, it's, you know, put, put plain and simple, some people just don't care that much about their health, you know. So they, they might be more uh, interested in the, in the environmental aspect, so that's why I wanted to have it there. Or other people might be more interested in the humane aspect and, 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 and vice versa. So I really wanted to show this, this issue from many different angles so it could connect with, uh, with a wider audience, you know, and everybody can, can benefit from it. Well, I think you've succeeded there, but I have to say I love uh, this photograph that, that is one of, of the film's biggest logos. Everybody, go to foodchoicesmovie.com and, and get a look at this. It's a, a lovely white tablecloth table but sitting around the table we have a pig a cow a sheep and just in front of them on the floor a chicken and a fish that really says something you you ace the visual where did that come from <laughs> yeah well um the the process of designing the cover has been quite uh, time consuming and labor intensive we went through like five different graphic designers until we we uh, found uh, one that specialized just on on film covers and we worked for probably a couple months just on refining uh that idea and it was the goal was to really show something something different something that would catch people's attention and and uh you know the the idea of having the animal sitting on the table it's it, it's something that uh, you know, people are not used to seeing, so it's something to, to to be a little bit of a shocker and to get people interested in perhaps taking a look at what the, the film is about. For sure, especially this time of year when people are looking to Thanksgiving, and, and it is a time when even in this kind of rushed era where people maybe don't have the white tablecloth and sit around a table for every meal, they're going to do it you know, a week from tomorrow. And to see these animals uh, sitting around the table, it's, it's really something, especially you've got the cow just looking right out at you. So uh, kudos to your your designer. So you've used your talent. This is your business. This is something that you know how to do to make this amazing film. And I think one of the coolest things about the vegan world is that we're all taking whatever talent we have and using it to further this message. So how would you tell people that they can inspire others? I think, uh, you know, and this is something I learned from uh, Dr. Pam Popper, you know, because I, I myself made many mistakes in the beginning when I started living this plant-based vegan lifestyle. You know, we, we become often so passionate about it and we really want to tell everybody. And sometimes, you know, we get kind of frustrated, if, especially people that are close to us are not listening or are not getting the message. So people tend to get frustrated. And uh, what, what I learned is that the best thing is to lead by example. Just live, you know, a healthy plant-based lifestyle and, and people will start noticing, you know, you'll be more vibrant, you'll, you'll, you'll feel better, you'll uh, lose weight if that's your goal, you'll gain weight if that's your goal. And um, just by, by, by leading by example, inspiring people by example, I think that's the, the best thing. And also waiting for, for teachable moments, you know, very, very often we we're so passionate about this topic that we're, we're sitting at a dinner table with some, some people that we might, some new friends or people we might not know very well and just start, you know, preaching uh, veganism to them. It's, it, it's great, but I think that sometimes, especially people that tend to be, uh, you know, a little more more aggressive about it. It can it can have the opposite effect. So I think wait for teachable moments. What I personally do is, uh, you know, the, the the topic of my film or or, or food comes up, and uh, you know, I'm I'm very happy to answer any questions, especially when people ask questions. That's those are I think are are perfect moments uh, to to inspire and to to teach people about a uh, vegan or plant based uh, lifestyle. So, uh, and aside from that, I mean, for for anybody that uh, like you said, we're all try to use our skills to inspire people. So if you if you are good with blogging, you know perhaps you can create a a blog on on plant based uh, uh, nutrition or or the environmental aspect or the animal aspect or or athletes. I mean, there's so many people doing so many different things. Um, and uh, thank God, you know, I think slowly the the movement is is growing. It's been growing, 
and uh, you know we, we, ha- we all have to strive so it becomes more and more mainstream. So true. And I guess something else people could do is just invite some friends over, get some nice organic popcorn, and watch Food Choices the movie. That would work. <laughs> now, yeah, you, that's, you, that's good. You talk to a whole lot of people in this film, and I've heard from many documentarians that what ends up on the cutting room floor is sometimes another five fabulous films, or, or could have been that. <laughs> but of everything that you learned making this film, does something jump out? Or maybe there's more than one thing. I don't want to put you on the spot. What did you learn? What would have made you go plant-based if you weren't already? Well, I think, you know, it's it's a great question. I, you know, I don't think it would be one thing. It's a, it's a combination of so many factors. And I think each one of them independently uh, would would end up convincing me because they're all so important and they play such important roles uh, in our lives. For me, I mean, the environmental aspect, it's, it's extremely important. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a father of a beautiful two-year-old girl and, you know, I want, you know, to, you know, to leave her with... Uh, with a, with a planet, you know, so that she and, and, and her children can enjoy in the future. So just thinking of that, for me, it's of extreme importance. I mean, it goes way beyond uh, satisfying my, uh, you know, any gastronomic uh, pleasure, you know, by eating uh, some, some, some food that, you know, might, might uh, satisfy my taste buds, you know. Uh, so that, 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 would, that would be one think that would convince me then there's the the humane aspect as well i mean that's so important i mean once you and i mean i ate i ate animals for over 30 years of my life but once you make that connection and it's not the the intellectual connection because we all are intelligent people we know that we are intellectually we know that we're eating a cow or a chicken or a pig but uh most people don't make that emotional connection you know that uh you realize that you're eating uh a living being that that suffered that did not want to die you know and 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 once once you make that emotional connection that's a huge shift for me it was was a huge shift almost instantaneously uh you know uh changed and then the 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 human health aspect i mean i experienced that in my in my own health um i was uh five years about five years ago i was uh pre type 2 diabetic with high blood pressure, high uh, sugar, high cholesterol, and then I was really going down uh, a not-so-good path, you know, as far as health goes. And within one year of, of eating a plant-based diet, uh, everything went back to, norm- to normal, all, all my uh, blood test results. So that was that was huge, and I think that this shifting to that diet, you know, doing it properly, of course, um, can help so many people from a human health point of view. So that's another very important factor. So I think, yeah, they all play very important roles. Uh, It's hard for me to pick pick one. (laughs) I was going to say, you're so balanced. You really do have all of them. That's fabulous. The website is foodchoicesmovie.com. Like the film on Facebook at Food Choices Movie. Follow on Twitter at Food Choices Film. We'll put all of that on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. This film is now in 190 countries in 30 languages. It is on Netflix, also iTunes, Amazon, Vimeo. You can watch Food Choices the Movie. Mihao, thank you so, so much for all you do. I look forward to seeing what you're going to do next. Thank you, Victoria. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure to be on your show. And also thank you so much for, for the work that you do. It's, it's really it's been inspired, inspiring a lot of people over the years. So thank you so much. Uh, bless you. Thanks a lot. Everybody, stay with us. We're going to have somebody you love and adore, a super popular blogger, vlogger, amazing social media maven, and just a small person, the bite-sized vegan. Stay with us.
Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit. Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Main Street Vegan Show. A couple of announcements. I just want to draw your attention to the blog over at Main Street Vegan this week. This very week, it's about social eating, how to be vegan at a non-vegan event. And I wonder who has one of those coming up in late November. Uh, That post is from Susan Landera, a Main Street Vegan Academy certified vegan lifestyle coach and educator. She'll help you be social with all kinds of people. And I think I failed to uh, talk about last week's blog post, which is Vegan Resources for Cancer Patients and Cancer Survivors, a really helpful uh, and important post from Naomi Green. So do uh, check out MainStreetVegan.net slash blog. We just educate you and entertain you quite a bit over there. And I also um, am very honored to be bringing you a word from our sponsor, Vegan Outreach. You may know Vegan Outreach for their work to create a vegan world, Well, they have an opportunity for you right now to make an incredible difference for animals. A group of donors has pledged to match your donation to Vegan Outreach, so it will go twice as far in persuading more people to go vegan. That means if you can come up with 50 bucks, it becomes 100. Oh my gosh, don't we wish we could do that in regular life? And so on and so on. So it's important and it's powerful, and I hope that if you're able to consider this, you will strongly consider this. Don't miss this chance to double the good 
you can do for animals. It's all tax deductible. Just check them out over there at veganoutreach.org. And uh, thanks, Vegan Outreach, for uh, being such a great friend of the Main Street Vegan Podcast. And it is our honor at the Main Street Vegan Podcast to bring on, actually, this was the first person that a listener ever asked me to bring on the show. But we tend to get booked so far ahead that it took me, I think, at least a year, maybe two, after getting that request to actually get everything arranged and get Emily Moran Barwick, the bite-sized vegan, on the program. Emily is an animal liberation activist, artist, international speaker, writer, and creator of the YouTube channel and accompanying website, Bite Size Vegan, where she provides free educational videos and resources about veganism backed by rigorous research and yet awkwardly entertaining. From thoroughly researched academic reports to engaging videos for kids, moving mini documentary style videos, Emily provides a wide range of educational approaches for diverse learning styles. Welcome, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's incredible to, to be on Main Street Vegan. Well, it's very cool to have you. You know, I think that there is a, a new wave of veganism. And for somebody like me who's just been in it for so long, it's like the names and the faces and the players and the experts stayed the same for a pretty long time. We might add somebody, you know, every five years or so. But now there's this whole amazing world of people like you with incredible followings and and doing amazing work. So give us a little bit of history. How did you get to be vegan? And then how did you get to be internet famous? Okay. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's still kind of bizarre to me to hear myself referred to in that, in that manner, but um, I mean, my going vegan story is pretty brief. I, my mother just tells me when I was about four years old, I started refusing to eat meat, which isn't too long after she started trying to feed it to me. Um, and so it was just, I think it was just kind of in me from the beginning, I think, which it is with, with so many kids when we really look at it. So it, if she tried to feed me any, you know, quote unquote food that was from an animal, if I could tell that it had come from an animal, I would refuse. So the only way she could get me to eat, you know, animal products was to disguise them, you know, pretty successfully. So, so that was just kind of with me from, from the very start. And my battle more so was not really going vegan, but learning how to talk about veganism because, you know, from an early age, I was already kind of an outsider, so to speak, you know, for, for that reason and, and others, you know, as a kid. And it was just kind of strange, you know, seeing my peers and everyone kind of walking around like nothing was wrong. And I was just felt like I was always very aware of, you know, the enormity of suffering in the world. So my whole thing was trying to find a way to talk about veganism in a way that was approachable, because what I found was that anytime I did try to talk about it, I just kind of either exploded in rage or completely froze. So Bite Size Vegan was my way of trying to um, simplify some of the complexities about veganism and present it in a way that's approachable and that can reach the most people possible with free, accessible information. And, you know, for better or worse, people these days are on social media. Even though I had like no social media or technology experience, I decided to do what I'm doing now um, just because it's it seems to be an effective way of reaching people. Oh, extremely effective, especially the way you do it. Everybody has heard of you. So uh, just for anybody who's who's maybe not so web savvy, just give us an idea of exactly what you do, both what your outreach looks like and then kind of what your life looks like. What do you do every day? Well, those are kind of one and the same, honestly. Um, at this point, for, for quite some time now, I've been working more than full time with Bite Size Vegan. So for a good, I think, over two years, I was producing two to three videos a week. And my videos tend to be, I mean, they vary, as, as you said, but a lot of them tend to be very research intensive. And so I can spend over 100 hours on a single video. And so this is like, you know, throughout the week, I'm either researching new topics and like getting all of that together. And then once I have the research together, I have to write, you know, I have to like script it and I have to refine that and then film it and then edit it and produce it and everything and get it up, have a blog post, citations, 
So, and then like, you know, try to promote it across social media. So it's, it's really more than a full-time job and it's kind of like churning out uh, research papers, uh, you know, two to three times a week. And recently I've gone down to more of like one, one to two videos a week in general. And that's just because I've started to travel and speak as well. And so with the, the added workload, you know, I've had to kind of change things, but I, I, so there's, there's always regular video content coming out on my YouTube channel and, um, each video has its own blog post on the website. And so I try to cover just like a wide range of topics and even from different approaches, because I find, of course, just in human nature, we all connect with different, um, different approaches of, in styles. So, I mean, that's kind of my life and my work is kind of one thing at this point, um, I'm either, you know, preparing for the next video or working on a current one or working on other projects to to see how I can more effectively reach people with the vegan message and, and try to refine and uh, and adapt and find, you know, different ways. Now, you had something recently, and I'm going to misquote here, but it was something about I don't like animal welfare. Am I close? Oh, yes. That's today's video. Okay. Um, tell tell a, us about vegan. that one. Yeah, so today's video is I'm a vegan against why I'm a vegan against animal welfare. And so what that is about is I in that video I share and I actually pull in some clips from my most recent speech in Dublin um in Dublin Ireland. And it's basically, you know, talking about the differences between animal welfare and animal rights and animal liberation. And I don't go too much into the difference between rights and liberation in this one. But more so talking about how, you know, animal welfare is more of an approach of trying to improve the conditions for the animals that are currently in our systems of exploitation. You know, whether that be, you know, food, um, entertainment, clothing, even companion animals. And so a lot of times when people see animal welfare regulations, they we tend to assume that that means that animals have decent protection. And so in this video, I'm kind of talking about, you know, there's, you know, the animal welfare camps, the animal rights camps, there's the, the vegans, even whose ultimate goal is liberation, but who find value in implementing welfare regulations. And and so in the video, I I kind of say what I what I tend to do as my approach anyways, is that if we're really going to evaluate, you know, the efficacy or validity of anything, we need to be realistic and we need to look at the facts and, and see what is what is it that we're actually dealing with and not just rely on you know, what we're told or media stories. And so I, I present a couple, you know, um, examples of, you know, regulation, welfare regulation victories, quote unquote, that you hear about in the news. And, and then I share what those actually were for the animals that they are supposed to be designed for. And it's really, I mean, when you look at what it's supposed to be and what it actually is, it's, it's striking um, the, how short the, the reality falls. Um, and then a point that I make in, in the Ireland speech is that what happens, too, is that when all the public hears is that now, you know, I take this example of, of when the EU banned battery, barren battery cages. And so the public just thinks, OK, now if we buy eggs in the EU, we're doing a good thing. You know, the chickens are happy. So it actually increased the, the egg consumption went up severely. And when you actually look at what what happened with the chickens, it was there was no no improvement. And so it ended up being worse for them that this welfare regulation victory happened because then people just felt okay doing what they wanted to do anyways. And as humans, like that's all we want. Like if we can get away to do what we want to do anyways, but feel good about it, it's like holy grail, you know, for us. This is very interesting because of where you're um geographically right now. And and you live in Iowa and that's fairly new, is that correct? Well, actually, I mean, I lived in Iowa for almost 10 years, and, okay. but I've been away for a couple years, and so I've always wanted to come back, and it, it is a very significant place to me, um, and, and for agriculture in general. I mean, Iowa, there's a tiny little town in Iowa, um, Denison, Iowa, that birthed kind of the modern slaughterhouse that we know today, the, you know, the assembly line slaughter that is kind of blown up worldwide, and I mean, interesting, you can really get into the depths of it. It's pretty fascinating because, you know, this came out of this little town in Iowa. It's Iowa Beef Packers is what it was originally, recently got bought by Tyson. I mean, not recently, but it got bought by Tyson. And 
So that kind of started the assembly line slaughter. And that's also what, you know, if you've ever heard of, you know, most people know of the book, The Jungle, you know, in Chicago and those, in those slaughterhouses. And then, you know, Henry Ford derived inspiration for his assembly line for the Ford cars from, you know, the assembly line slaughter. And, and bizarrely enough, Hitler loved Ford and loved this concept of assembly line. So he studied this and, you know, the slaughterhouses upon which it was based when he was designing the concentration camps. So it's just so bizarre how that all comes out of this little town in Iowa. I mean, wow. it's, it's, it's fascinating. And this is also the birthplace of ag-gag laws. So. That is so, the connections are just stunning. We had Alex Hershaft on the show a few mm-hmm. months ago, and, and he is a Holocaust survivor, and he talked about the connections between animal agriculture and animal slaughter and, and what was done in the concentration camps. Oh, my goodness. So you're in Iowa, and I I know vegans in Iowa not a lot, but they're, they're very vocal and, and, you know, very, very, um, doing great work in, in a place where, where, uh, people need to be, um, shouting it from, from the rooftops. But I also know that when we talk about veganism in Iowa and, and other places, Missouri, where I'm from, it, it's delicate because we're talking about how people make a living. So how do you work it? How do you do it? Um, just tell us about your um, human interactions. Right. Well, yes. I mean, I think it's that's I think that's so vital just in any time that we're talking about veganism. And is it, when I was actually over in Ireland, I, I after I did my speech in Ireland, I, I flew to the UK and delivered some speeches to, to vegans, actually. And that was kind of what I talked about in there is the importance of thinking about who am I trying to reach? Like, who is like who is my intended audience here? Um, and keeping that in mind when we formulate the way that we're presenting, you know, veganism. And and I think it's it's really important to distinguish that it's not about pandering and it's not about, uh, you know, sugarcoating or saying, like, what can I what can I say to make this person believe me? It's not about that. Uh, it's just being mindful about the presentation of, of the facts. And so I think, you know, the approach for Iowa would be really similar to what I, you know, the approach that I used in Ireland, because Ireland, I think more than any country that I've encountered thus far, you know, agri- animal agriculture is like, it's in the, it's in the blood. It's in the, the, you know, the economy, the history. It's like, it's an incredibly um, iconic aspect of, of Ireland culture. And so, you know, my approach with that would be similar to this in that, you know, talk, you know, I always want to try to meet people where they're at and, and try to help them, you know, give them the facts. You know, I always say, like, you don't have to believe me. You know, like, you don't even know who I am. Um, there, there's no, there's, it's not realistic for to ask someone to believe me. All I'm doing is presenting the facts for someone to, you know, to look, to evaluate, and to decide, is what I am doing actually lining up with my values? Do my actions align with my values? And a lot of times, like, we're just not even given the solid facts to be able to even decide that because of you know such some all of the disinformation and misinformation that's out there from you know the different animal products industry and just from you know the history of our species so one thing that i say in the in the ireland speech and in general is that veganism is you know it's it's far from this extreme you know uh threat to culture or all of that it's actually the most sane way to live. And if we actually want to preserve agriculture and we want to be able to farm the land for future generations and provide for our children and preserve, you know, the landscape of countries like Ireland. And, you know, there's a lot of actual beautiful landscape in America. If we really want to preserve that, then, you know, a a shift towards veganism and and ultimately the world going vegan is really the only hope that we have to do that because we're not going to have farms. We're not going to have you know, in any environment, we're not even going to have a planet for our children, you know, pretty soon. The environmental crisis is, is, is very severe. And so I try to like, you know, really just show people like, you know, your values in, 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 I think the vast majority of people are already vegan, you know, they, in our values, you know, most people, you know, they want to be able to provide for their family. They want their children to have a future. They don't, and honestly, most people don't even want to harm innocent animals. Mm -hmm. You know, they can't even bear to watch. So, it's kind of just helping people make that connection. This is not a threat. This is more of like, if this is something that's important to you, you know, farming the land and all of these things, 
then then you should even be more concerned about veganism. And, and you know, when we have this shift towards, you know, the, us eating actual food and plants, we are going to need farmers more than ever because so many of us find the land foreign. And so we need them. We're going to need them just as much, probably more than we do right now. That is beautiful. Oh, my gosh. It's no wonder people love you. Oh, yeah. I mean, that this this makes so much sense. And there's so much kindness coming through everything that you say. I think a lot of people are threatened by vegans because they think that all we care about are animals and maybe a few little humans who live with us. Right. But, yeah, this is this really uh, takes it to that wonderful um, intersectionality place. So bless you. So. What's the most challenging thing about what you do? Hmm. You know, it's it's hard because like it seems to. I think sometimes for me is one of the hardest things is feeling is wondering if I'm even getting anywhere or 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 like coming up against the enormity of what it is that that you know I'm fighting against because. It's really great to be able to, to kind of look. I mean, I get so many emails and comments and, and messages from people who have, you know, changed entire families who have gone vegan. But the nature of what I do means that I am very, very aware of many, like, pretty horrific things in, in the world. And so sometimes that, like, that level of, of being, like, really tied in can be very challenging. Um, but I mean, even with that, though, what it usually comes down to for me is that I think about, you know, the, the animals for me is, is why I'm, I'm vegan for, you know, for the animals. That's my, my primary motivation. And so I always figure no matter what I'm going through, no matter how difficult it is or how many sleepless nights I've had, it's like it doesn't even compare to like a minute in their place. You know, okay. like I, I have my freedom. I have a home. I have a roof over my head. You know, I get to, you know, and so it's like it, so that it's like it's one of the most challenging things, but it's also one of the things that drives me the most, you know, at the same time. And and it can be overwhelming to see just what sometimes seems like unyielding apathy in, in our species. But, you know, I always like another thing I say, it's funny because I am such like by nature, I am so cynical and such a pessimist. But I always just see it, too. It's like, what's the alternative, though? You know, even if I don't accomplish what I'm hoping to accomplish. Like I can't just stand by and not do anything. So no, no. Yeah. And I think some people spend their lives and other people invest their lives and, and you're an investor. You're, you're investing in the good. You're investing in the future. I certainly hope that you and all of us in this work um, succeed brilliantly. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think that's going to happen but, you know, worst case scenario, we have at least invested our lives on the right side of history. So yay for you. Now, do you have people around you in, in your three-dimensional world? Do you have family members or, or friends that are vegan? No, actually, no one in my family is, is even vegetarian. Um, and I don't – I had a couple friends that actually uh, went vegan, I think – after I even left Iowa, actually, this was like years ago. Um, but I mean, it's interesting because I don't really have a whole lot of like. In- I think we've lost you, Emily. Oh, I'm sorry. Could you know there you me? are? Oh, I, yes, I heard I heard you say you had a couple of friends from years ago before you left Iowa. who went. Vegan. Oh, yes. Yes. But um, just in general, though, I've never really lived around, you know, a lot of vegans, you know, I've always kind of lived in areas and had friends who, who aren't even veg inclined per se, but I, I do find like, and that's a big reason why I wanted to come back to Iowa too. I find a great value in, in being around a mainly non-vegan area because I think there's a tendency for us vegans and it's, it's understandable and it's even um, necessary at times, but there's a tendency to kind of like insulate ourselves into these, you know, little safe vegan groups and and then it's almost like the the more that we we kind of bury deeper and deeper into our own culture the more alien and foreign non-vegans appear to us and the and the harder it is, it is for us to even communicate with them because we just can't even comprehend how they could do the things that they're doing 
And so I always find it really helpful and important for myself to try to stay connected to that and remember that, you know, most of us were there once too. Most of us didn't know. And I always give, I try to always give people the benefit of the doubt, you know, even when they are being kind of snarky, you know, I try to at least give people the benefit of the doubt, you know, once when, because it might be the millionth time I've been asked where I get my protein, but it might also be the very first time that person has gotten up the courage to speak to a vegan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is so interesting. I was just in LA cause uh, Dr. Joel Kahn and I are this year's sexiest vegans over 50. Ooh. And so we went out there to um, be officially, I don't know, inaugurated mm-hmm. and, and uh, do a photo shoot. And, and they gave us a big bag full of all kinds of stuff from the PETA store. And one of the things was a, a little a card that you open up and on the front it says, you know, where do you get your protein? And mm-hmm. it's a visual and it's a picture of, you know, black beans and tofu and a green salad and how many grams of protein it has. So I thought this is good because I'm so verbal that I always want to go. I get my protein from blah, 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 blah. But to be able to just hand somebody something that they can see, I'm excited about that little card. So uh, ask the PETA people to send you a thousand of them. So Emily, I ask you the most challenging thing about your life and work. How about the most rewarding? Hmm. I think the most rewarding is, you know, like the messages and, and emails and, and all of those that I receive of people who have made a, a change in their, in their lives from watching my videos. You know, I, I, I never really I mean, I never would say that, like, I made someone vegan. You know, I even make a point in my speech to my speeches to say, like, I'm not here to force my beliefs upon you. And I'm not even here to make you vegan because I don't have that power. You know, Um, nobody and nobody stays committed to something when they're forced into it. So but anyways, you know, people who after watching my videos, you know, made the decision to to go vegan. It's and it, it never ceases to amaze me, honestly, because I still feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. And sometimes I feel like I'm screaming at a wall. So it's, it's, it's so incredible to hear that. And I think something that's been really one of my favorites is I started doing kids videos a while ago. And now, you know, when I've been traveling, I've had, you know, kids come to see me and like kids, you know, be excited to to come and, and meet me because they know me from my kids videos. And that's pretty cool. That you know? is cool. Um, <laughs> I got one letter from this family and I still I keep it with me all the time. And the, their youngest son, he, um, he's autistic and he loved my kids videos and he was the one who he basically was like, uh, we're going to go vegan now family. And they did. And I mean, that was just like, that just blew my mind. It was amazing. That's beautiful. Oh, wow. You know, you can do a lot of work for a long time <laughs> for one experience <laughs> like that. Yeah. So I know a lot of our listeners have YouTube channels or they would love to have one and they really want a big successful one like yours. Can you um, spill some of the beans, a little vegan pun there, uh, about what it really takes to make a successful YouTube channel? Yeah. Um, I mean, again, I always feel like it's strange that that's what, I, what it's called. Um, but for me, and I mean, my approach is, is is a bit, I guess, varied from the vast well. I don't know. A lot of YouTube, it's, 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 um, very, it's a very social vlogging based platform, but I, I try to, to twist it into some sort of educational platform. And I think it really does, it really can work that way. But I think regardless of the approach that you take with your channel, um, for me, some of the most important things I think are, you know, being consistent, um, with your, with your activities. I mean, it takes a lot of work, but you, you know, you want to be consistent with the, the information or with the, um, the content that you're putting out. And, and I honestly think that probably one of the, the biggest things that really helped with me building a strong community around my channel was that I think up until I had maybe over 10,000 subscribers, I replied to every comment and even like to every reply to my reply on a comment, which took like some doing. And, you know, it's finally gotten to the point where I miss so many now. And I mean, that that's my least favorite part about the growth is that I missed so many emails. I have like thousands backlogged, things like that. But like when I had the time and the ability, I like kind of went out of my way to answer any message, any email, any comment that I got, you know, um, with as, as, you know, as helpful of an answer as I could, you know, because I really wanted to 
but I really want to help people. And if I could still do that, I, I would, you know, mm. but I think it's so important to build that community because, you know, regardless of the numbers, if you have, you know, people who are following your work and, and they know that you're invested and you, you know, actually care about what you're doing, I think that that in and of itself really builds that, um, that trust and um, you'll see more of like an actual community form. So for people who are just looking at this and they're looking at YouTube or they're looking at Facebook live, do you have any thoughts on the pros and cons of those two platforms? Um, well, I, I still don't get Facebook oh. <laughs> um, and I barely get YouTube, but I, you know, I think that there's value in, in a variety of platforms. You know, there's even people who make Twitter their, their main you know, form of social activism mm-hmm. and uh, Twitter baffles me, but you know, there's, um, there's a YouTube, not a YouTube, a Facebook page. Uh, the best, so I think the best video you will ever see, uh, is yeah. by Gary TV. And so they have like really found a way to make Facebook video a powerful tool for, yeah. for vegan activism. Um, so I really think that it just kind of depends on what your goals are and what your strengths are. And, and kind of sitting down with yourself and being like, who am I trying to reach? How do I want to reach them? And what is like, what am I interested in doing? And also like, where are my strengths? And like, you know, it might not, all, not all of that's always going to line up. Like I didn't really have strengths in, in YouTube because I didn't really know what it was, but you know, kind of doing that because I think one thing that I always tell people with activism is I think one of the most important things is to you know, find your voice and your passion because trying to say, okay, I'm going to do exactly what this person is doing. You you might not want to be, you know, keep doing that for very long if it's not something that you're actually invested in. And I do think that people can tell when, when we're genuine and when we're not. Yeah, I think you're absolutely, and you can't do everything. Absolutely. I keep trying. It doesn't. <laughs> so, well, speaking of doing everything, what's next for you? Um, well, I mean, I, it's like, I have the continual content happening, um, that always will. One thing that I've been, I feel silly even, one thing I've been saying for over a year now, but it's really going to happen is I'm, I'm working on building an online academy of e-courses. And so this would be more kind of intensive, um, you know, one on like intensive actual classes, like they will be video based, but it's not going to be anything that's on my channel. So it'll be, you know, exclusive content for the classes and, you know, have quizzes, PDF downloads. And I'm hoping even on that, you know, once I start building this academy to actually start maybe even building a database of, you know, activist resources. So, I mean, I have, you know, the the library that I've amassed from all of my research is is just growing and growing. And I was thinking how great it would be to, like, even create some sort of database for, for activists, like even with, you know, any you can find like your state regulations and, and these kind of things to try to maybe even start at one point making it, opening it to like some sort of like, you know, wiki. I don't even know how to do these things, but something where like anyone can contribute and we can start to have this, this massive database. But before that, the e-courses are going to be happening. And then one of my very long, one of my long-term goals is to actually open up um, a farmed animal sanctuary here in Iowa. Oh, nice. Uh, Because, you know, I always say Iowa really owes the animals for, for what we started. (laughs) You know, I mean, obviously it started way before this, but you know, there's there's some serious things that have come out of the state and we, uh, you know, slaughter more pigs than any other state in the country. And so I would think that I would probably, you know, maybe start the sanctuary with some pigs because Iowa owes the pigs. <laughs> oh, what what a beautiful, beautiful heart you have. Thank you. So uh, nice and clean from being vegan, but uh, beautiful in the metaphorical sense, too. So we have been speaking with the really delightful and extremely dedicated Emily Moran Barwick. You can find her, if you're not already a fan, if you're one of the three people who is not already a fan, (laughs) at bitesizevegan.com. And that's S-I-Z-E, no D on that size. Um, Same thing, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, of course, And we'll put information about Emily and also about um, Michal Siversky and the Food Choices movie on our show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. Thank you all so very much for spending your time with us today. 
and getting more inspired and more educated about your own vegan journey and what is going to be happening next for you. I hope one of the things happening next is that you'll listen to the program next week. We're going to be looking at animal rights and Judaism. And we're going to be bringing back uh, historian Richard Schwartz and also Rabbi Shmuley Yanklovitz, who's very inspiring and young and good-looking and vegan, of course. Lots and lots of people are. Thank you all for being part of this. God bless you and eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. This Christmas, recall the childlike joy of the holidays with The Wonder of Christmas, a new Advent booklet from Unity. Request or download your free booklet today at unity.org slash UOR Advent. The Wonder of Christmas supports your Advent journey with inspirational messages, scripture, uplifting stories, beautiful poems, and more. Download or request your free copy today at unity.org slash UOR Advent. That's unity.org slash UOR Advent. But hurry, Advent begins November 27th. Many of us have heard someone say, I've learned my lesson. I'll never do that again. All too rarely do we hear, that was a wonderful lesson. I'm glad it happened just the way it did, even though I was uncomfortable going through it. I now understand why I experienced the pain. With this new awareness, I can change my behavior so I won't make the same mistake in the future. We bear a good part of the responsibility for creating both the positive and the negative situations we experience in daily life. Wisdom comes from understanding the result of our choices and realizing that we can always choose differently. By fearlessly confronting the role you play in the experiences you may have judged as mistakes in your life, You can make future experiences fruitful and increase your wisdom. This Law of Life is brought to you by Unity. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This Christmas, recall the childlike joy of the holidays with The Wonder of Christmas, a new Advent booklet from Unity. Request or download your free booklet today at unity.org slash UOR Advent. The Wonder of Christmas supports your Advent journey with inspirational messages, scripture, uplifting stories, beautiful poems, and more. Download or request your free copy today at unity.org slash UOR Advent. That's unity.org slash UOR Advent. But hurry, Advent begins November 27th. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. 
Join us for a journey into spirit. Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.